Ladies and gents, boys and girls, welcome back to the best version of you. Today, I am super, super excited to finally get the man, the legend, Jean-Pierre Villiers, onto my show. I've been uh, trying for quite some time. He's been super busy. He's had an unfortunate event, which <laughs> he'll go more into detail about. Um, but now he's got through rehab and he's been traveling around a bit holding seminars and talks and doing all this coaching and that. I wanted to get him on the show to speak uh, in a lot of detail about mindset and what you can do to overcome sort of times of boredom and isolation and what you can do to motivate yourself to be the best version of you. So welcome to the show, JP. How are you, man? Oh, you're very welcome, man. It's actually... It is a real pleasure to finally be here because we've been talking about this for quite a while. Yeah. And uh, for many reasons, it hasn't happened. But yeah, yeah, I had an unfortunate thing last year of obviously breaking both my legs and almost, you know, losing my life. But I'm here, man, and I'm happy to be here, even in the midst of the challenges that we're going through right now. Yeah, and it's exactly that. And um, although everything's like really, really crazy at the minute for a lot of people, there's uh, even though some people having to stay at home. There's, there's still a lot of challenges because people have family um, and loved ones that are relying on one at this point as well. Um, so just briefly for the benefit of the, the viewers and the listeners, um, you come from obviously South Africa. Is that correct? Yeah, Cape Town. Yeah. And um, you had sort of like a sort of fairly rough upbringing, didn't you? Yeah. So it wasn't the worst upbringing, just consisted of all the things you really don't want as a kid. Yeah. Lots of bullying. Lots of moving around, lots of schools, lack of friends, lack of certainty, shit happening at home as well, suicidal father who took his life. Like, yeah. you know, it was the worst life. I'm not saying I'm a victim, but there was enough things in my life that I wouldn't wish that life upon anyone. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I, I remember the first time I ever seen you talk was at Tommy Gentleman's event, uh, Super Self Summit, and uh, you know, really touched me when he, he talks about your father and that impact that had on you. Um, and then it kind of spurred you on to kind of like trying to live your dream, didn't it? Mm. Well, it was very clear that from an eyewitness point of view mm. and being able to look at my father's life, it was very clear what getting life wrong looked like. Yeah. And I started living my life and I started getting a lot of coping mechanisms that weren't really healthy for me to get through life. And at 23, I realized, damn, man, 10 years later, after my father took his life, I was doing the same shit, mm. just in a different way. And then I realized, hey, if I can get life wrong, let me figure out how I can get life right. And what I mean by right, I meant like, if I can be my worst, how can I be my best? Mm. And AJ, that's been an obsession for me, man, for almost 20 years. How can I be my best? How can I be my best? And it doesn't mean always doing more. Sometimes it's doing less, meditating more, being more grateful. But I've just always been looking for ways to be better. And I'm very blessed to be able to have taken the thing that I'm most passionate about and created a business from it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's amazing. And that's why, you know, so many people are drawn to your talks um, because of the journey that you've taken to get to where you are now uh, and the things you've overcome and stuff like that because it's so relative and people can you know really learn a lot from it uh, me included you know when I first seen you speak I was like wow this is awesome and I think I remember you were the first speaker at this event and um, I'll always remember that thing you said about um, stop looking at the cost of everything and look at the return of investment and you used 
the story about when you went to an event and you went all in on the top ticket and it paid off. Yeah. And uh, I, I've done the same thing for Expert Empires, but you know this this uh, pretend virus that we've got flying around at the minute, you know, cancelled it. Uh, <laughs> so I was, uh, I was uh, yeah, 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 no, no. Uh, but I was, yeah, I was, I was a bit, I was a bit, I was a bit annoyed about it, but it is what it is. And, um, I, I took that advice exactly that. And I've kind of, I've taken that ever since I heard you say that I've ne never really thought of it like that. And I think it's because of the environment I've often found myself in. Yeah. Um, I've always looked at the cost of something and not the return of investment. Um, so yeah, that all, was always stuck in my head ever since I've seen you talk. Um, but with, with yourself, obviously, you, when you say you got stuck in that position, when you sort of cast your mind back and thought, wow, I'm actually doing what my, my father was doing. Was that when you were DJing? Yeah. 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 So basically my father, now everyone does everything for a reason, right? So when you truly understand that you live a, a judge free life, you never judge yourself because you understand that there's a reason behind what you're doing you just got to figure out what that reason is whether it's you're doing something good or or bad or very bad but my father was the same he's just a human being and everything that he did and the way he behaved and the way he thought was because of what he went through and he had reason for being that way and and he was put in an orphanage by his own mother when he was five years old so she could move to another country now that's pretty messed up. You know, your own mother leaving you in an orphanage like your real mother. So he had good reason to behave the way he behaved, even though it wasn't healthy, but he spent his whole life trying to consume. You see, ultimately he didn't feel enough because his own mother abandoned him. That's the worst kind of thing you can live with is abandonment or the fear mm. of abandonment and being left alone and, and being isolated, etc. So his whole life became about consumption. How can I get for me? And my dad, even from my perspective as a little boy, my dad had it all, you know? He had it all, he lost it all, he got it all again. He had Mercedes Benzes, he had sports car, Alfa Romeo. He was a skipper of the most luxurious yacht in Cape Town. He used to have boat parties and girls used to swim out in bikinis and to, the, to their boat on Camps Bay Beach. And, you know, he partied a lot and everyone loved Jerry everyone loved him so he lived this life, whole life of consumption but then when no one else was around and therefore he wasn't consuming anything he felt empty mm. it's like eating always looking to eat you have an obsession with food and when there's no food you starve so my father was up down up down up down and unfortunately because i had the childhood that i had not the worst one it just was what it was I went into this same pattern also unconsciously following my father's footsteps. So I got into sport and I wanted to be rewarded in sport. And then unfortunately I found another strategy when I was 19, which was clubbing. So now I wanted to be rewarded and I wanted to be seen and celebrated by being the party guy. I became a DJ. I, you know, got into girls very much. So, I went to every club and, you know, I wanted to be one of the cool guys. And that brought me to when I was 23 years old. I decided I wanted to go from Cape Town to London. I wanted to be a bigger star. I wanted to be a rock star. Mm. And at 23 years old, I was a DJ. I was in Riga, Latvia. I'd stayed in a hotel for the first time in my life. And uh, when I went to the UK, it was the first time ever on a plane. But I'm at 23. I'm in Riga. I'm headlining a New Year's Eve gig. 
And, uh, and I just realized the next morning when I was alone and intoxicated and haven't slept a wink because I was high as hell. And I realized that, damn, man, I am doing exactly what my father has done. All night, all I did was consume. I consumed kisses, hugs. You know, girls just asking me for their attention as the main DJ. Um, cocktails, ecstasy, cocaine, gambling, copious amounts of cigarettes. And I'm not saying all these things are bad, but my reality that I had built for me or my identity was I am enough if I keep getting enough. Yeah. yeah. The next morning I was alone in my hotel room with no one there with me and I felt empty. Mm. I felt starved of life. I felt starved of breath, of possibility, of potential, of enthusiasm, of anything to be excited about for life because I thought this is my life. Is this my life? I'm now DJing internationally. I don't know how to produce music. I don't have a passion for it. So if I can't produce, this is my life. And I just realized that, man, this is not the life for me. And I do not want to end up where my father ended up. So I just made a commitment just to myself that if I can figure out how to get life wrong on my own, let me go to work on myself and try and get it right. And I just have been doing that ever since. How can I get it more right? How can I get it more right? And every time I find something that works for me, I go, hey, guys, let me teach you something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's simple as that. And it's because you're, you're working on your own mastery of like what makes you feel good and what you see yeah. your life and, you know, doing. Um, what, what, what was the real sort of key thing that you did like after DJing? Like, did it take a while for you to sort of like transition into something else or where, was it just trying to find that path? So first thing, very important, whether you're looking to have a successful business, change your life, or whether you're in suffering and you just want help, the first thing you've got to do is ask for help. I just went to a friend and I said, look, I need some help. I think I'm depressed. I don't know what depressed looks like or feels like, but I think this is it. And he said, JP, did you know he was a DJ as well, part-time? He said, you know, I'm actually also a coach. I was like, what's that? he's like, oh, I just have conversations with people and help them get clarity on their goals and stuff. And he said, let me do some coaching with you. So he did like four sessions with me, three or four sessions. And the three things that I did, I've been speaking about for 17 years, whatever it's been. Number one, he told me to change my environment. That my environment will dictate what I become and how I feel and how I think. So he said, what do you love? I said, well, I love music. Well, that, that's not worked out for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a toxic environment for you because I'm an all-in kind of guy, you know. I can't go to a club and, you know, drink water. <laughs> and um, he said, what else do you love? I said, well, the only thing I've ever loved consistently in my whole life has been fitness. He said, right, you've got to get a, got to get a job in fitness. Get a job in a gym. And I got a job in a gym. So number one, I changed my environment. And still almost two decades later, I'm telling people the second most important thing you have to do in your life is you've got to take care of your environment and you've got to build your team. And like on mm. a football pitch, you've got to make sure that everyone in your life is running in the same direction. Because you can't afford to be, you know, catching everyone up or, you know, pleasing everyone when you're trying to just get to your goal. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so the second, sorry, first thing was change your environment. The next thing was you've got to change the way you think and uh, change your environment, change your people. The next thing was change the way you think. Your thoughts create your reality. I thought, bullshit. Your, your thoughts can change your life. Now, now, bear in mind, dude, no one in my life ever, 
not a video, not someone online, not a parent, a friend's parent. No one ever told me that what you say, you create. What you think, you believe. And what you put in here, you create out here. No one ever. So when I heard this for the first time, I have to be honest, I just thought this is absolute hocus pocus. But he said to me, JP, I want you to come to my house and I want you to watch this movie. It's very American. It's very cheesy. But just listen to the words. And I sat in front of his sofa, just with my back against the sofa with a big screen in front of me. And I, and I watched this movie called The Secret. And I was blown away, dude. Absolutely blown away. To watch an hour and a half, however long it is, just of people, one person after the next person, all inspirational leaders and teachers and healers saying, yeah, what you think you become, what you think you become. What you... So I thought, man, this is crazy. It's like, I don't know if I can change my life with my thoughts, but I just thought, you know what? I've got nothing to lose. So I started writing incantations, affirmations, talking differently, catching myself when I was saying something negative and replacing it with something positive out loud. And I'll tell you what, like that, things started to change for me. Opportunities, people, relationships, uh, things just changed. And after two years of doing that, I realized that I could help other people change their internal language and get out of their own way. And the third thing he told me to do, and I still teach this today, is he told me, JP, no one goes at life alone. You need a mentor. You need someone mm. to learn from. And he said, I want you to write this name down. He said, you ready? And, I, and he said, write this down, Anthony Robbins. And I wrote down Anthony Robbins. Never heard of the guy ever. Watched his videos. Was like, damn, man, this is some big evangelical American dude. Like, let me just listen to what he say, says. And literally within minutes, I was hooked. And I've been studying Tony for many, 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 many years. And now I have a lot of other great teachers. Yeah. My most recent teacher that I've taken into my in a boardroom or my breakthrough boardroom in my mind, someone that I always want to consult before I make a decision. Even if I don't actually approach them, I just ask them, what would Tony say? Uh, my latest teacher is a lady named Lisa Nichols. So the story I told back at Tommy's event was I went to this event. You could have paid 300 euro. You could have paid three and a half thousand euro. And I went three and a half thousand euro. I ended up having a CEO dinner the night before the event. Mm. And sitting next to this woman, Lisa Nichols. And I said, ah, I know you. You're from The Secret. And I was like, I watched your movie when I was 23 years old. And it helped me change my whole life. And that was two years ago. Uh, two years, three months ago. And Lisa Nichols is my coach. I support her in her business. I've just come from her home in San Diego. I've been there twice. And yeah, just because I took that risk to come back to what you were saying, if you're mm. going to face with two options, always go for the scarier one. Because why would you not do that? Because of fear. Yeah. So those are the three things. That was a long answer, but I needed to give you the context. Number one, change your environment and you'll change your life. Number two, change your thoughts and you'll change your life. Change you learn from and you'll change your life. And uh, obviously all these people you've met and especially with Tony Robbins and the work you've done through him and uh, the coaching all around the world, um, literally most countries you've been to and you've built up an amazing following. I've got a long way to go, but 16 countries I've spoken about. Yeah. I, feel, I feel very, I'm humbled by saying that because mm. from where I come from, it's just incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. And do, do you think that, you know, that, that following had a big impact uh, during your recovery from your tragic accident that you had. I mean, 
for the benefit of the, the viewers and listeners, if you wouldn't mind just briefly explaining like what happened. Um, it was what, just over a year ago, was it? Almost a year? Uh, 10 months. 10 months, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's flown by. Yeah, so basically for anyone that doesn't know, I was doing a cycle challenge across the UK. It was meant to be 1,000 miles cycled across 10 days. On the eighth day, at the end of the eighth day, I was hit head on by a drunk driver and it was a hit and run accident. I was thrown off the road, my bike smashed into pieces and I was left for dead. Luckily, someone saw my bike, they heard me screaming, they came, the Devon ambulance helicopter rescued me. I spent two weeks in intensive care, almost two months in hospital. I've got lots of metal in my, in my body, including in the middle of my bones from my hip down to my ankle, keeping my legs together. And uh, I'm very lucky to be alive. And um, yeah, I'm just very, I'm very, very blessed. I've just gone straight back to my accident because I've had a very important email today. And also this morning, I received an Instagram message from someone say, hey, you don't know me, but I just want to say how inspired I am by your journey because I've just seen you on Instagram. I've just seen one of your posts that was shared. And I was in Plymouth Hospital in intensive care with you. My mother had just had a heart attack and I just watched you lying there lifeless day after day. And I just want to say, uh, just congratulations on your recovery. Da, da, da. Anyway, so as I started sharing my accident, I just remembered that moment and this email I got and I've forgotten your question. What was the actual question? Uh, no, it was about the, uh, obviously this amazing following that you've, you've created over the years. You know, did that help inspire yeah. Yes, but not in, rehab. not in the way that you think. Mm. Uh, or not in the way that most people might think. You might think this way. Uh, part of what I teach as a coach and a speaker is self-mastery. You master yourself and you'll master anything in life. But, it, but your success starts inward first. And I focus on three areas, mind, body, and heart. And one of the pillars of hard mastery is to live an altruistic life. Whether it's in your coaching business, AJ, whether it's uh, in your family, or whether it's in your community, or your career, or your job, it's to always live for others and not for yourself. Now, I'd been practicing this for a long time, but by the time my accident came around, this became my nature. So it wasn't hard for me to think when it was my nature, it had become my nature. It wasn't hard for me to think that when I woke up after about 10, 11 days, when I became fully conscious and fully aware, it wasn't hard for me to think that my recovery is not about me. And I know that sounds very like, you know, I've created it to sound like it's inspiring. Ask my wife. It's the truth. Mm. She was there every day. And I just went into this mentality that my recovery is not about me because there's a lot of people I'm talking like I got a pipe out of my neck, my arms still in the brace because of the metal work. My legs are braced up. I've got pipes in my side you know, staples all over my body. And I'm lying there thinking people are watching me right now. So be very conscious of how you act, what you say, how you show up, because you've been blessed with this opportunity. I'm talking to myself. You've been blessed with this opportunity that 9.9, of people will never, ever have. But for those of, that have had an opportunity like this, a near-death accident or something that's happened to them physically, by you using this moment to empower yourself, you might give people permission to do the same in the thing that they've been through already, mm, yeah. in the thing that they're going through right now. Or maybe one day, 
in the thing that they're going to go through. And I'll tell you what, dude, after a few months, like two, three months, people are messaging me saying, I've passed your, your content onto a friend of mine who's been suffering for five years because they were in a car accident mm. and you've made them realize that they're just, you know, listening to their own excuses. I had someone just last week say to me, JP, you don't know me. I just want to say to you that I watched your recovery because I saw it in the news and stuff. And over the last 10 months, I've been watching you and I just had an accident last week. And the first thing I thought about was if JP could go through that, I can go through this. So that's how my following mm. got through my recovery. Every day I was like, document this jp show people that you don't have to be a victim just because you've been victimized mm. you know you don't have to be challenged just because you've been through a challenge and uh and that pushes me all the time like i know people are watching me you know and that's why i always speak my truth i i'm always honest i'm even if that's at my own expense uh, and i'm always looking for ways to to be inspirational not because i need people's recognition but I hope that I inspire life and possibility and potential into others. Yeah. And I think the key thing is like with everything you've been through, it is very relative to a lot of people. Not, not you don't have to have had a bike accident. You could have had any form of accident or cancer scare or something that's, you know, where you've been on the edge of losing your life. Um, and for most coaches, the reason why they love doing what they do is because you know that you've, you're using everything that you've experienced and turning all of that and using it all to benefit other people and develop other people. And it's a, it's, it's like a drug in itself, isn't it? Um, so I, I totally get where you're coming from, where you, you thought that was what you needed to do in, in hospital during that period of recovery. Um, which is amazing because not many people would even dream of that. Do you know what I mean? They just, they take each 10 minutes to, to, to the next 10 minutes and each day to the next. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I, I recorded an episode just a couple of days ago with a chap called James Goulding. I don't know if you know him. He's an inspirational speaker, pro cyclist. Um, he probably connect with him. Sounds like an awesome uh, guy. I, I was going to say, I will I'll connect you two guys together because you've got a lot in common. Um, Thank you. Cycling he, and, and speaking. Yeah. Well, he, he, he's overcome cancer twice and he got knocked off his bike in America. <laughs> it's, uh, it's unreal, mate. Um, I, I'm getting a bit of a trend here of getting like people knocked off their bikes onto the show. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but with what I wanted to, uh, to sort of express to the guys during this period of um, isolation for many um, yeah. throughout the whole world. Um, and I know we we're quite lucky, lucky. We do have a lot of stuff at our you know, disposal. We've got Wi-Fi, we've got phones and laptops and TVs and Netflix and everything else like that. But like what kind of, um, what bits of advice would you have for people that, you know, to get through the boredom, the days where they're not knowing, you know, when it's going to finish, you know, like you would have been like, well, when am I going to get out of hospital? You know, what was it, what was going through your mind at those times? Like, was there any little things that you, you did like goal setting and stuff like that? Yeah. So first of all, I would say it's be patient and take one day at a time. You know, Tony Robbins always says, don't make things bigger than they are. Don't make them worse than they are. Mm. So I really just had to take it one day at a time. Otherwise I'd be upset that I'm not on my bike and I'd be, you know, moaning because my whole life has been disrupted, but you can't really get too upset about 
things not turning out or, you know, life not going according to your blueprint, your plan or your expectations, because you're just looking in front of you. You're just looking two steps in front of you. I always say, you know, every, we always say that uh, we talk about as coaches, the importance of focus. And for me, this focus is a two part thing. One is you've got to have clear intention of where you're going. And then you've got to have clear attention. What should I be focusing on right now? And at that time, and I'll tell you now, in this time, while being in lockdown, the only thing I'm focusing on is day to day to day to day to day. It worked for me then. It works for me now. And what I'm doing day to day to day is the sound simplistic, but it's so damn good, is just look for the things that you can do. You, you know that saying, right? Rather focus on the things you can do rather than what you can't do. Yeah. But there is no benefit to putting your attention and your energy and expectation on things that you can't do. Name me a benefit to that. Unless you recognize what you can't do and then use that as a tool to identify mm. what you can do. Yeah. But it always comes back to if you want to free yourself from your own suffering and get out of your own way, then just look at what can I do? And when I was in hospital, right, this is not some inspirational, motivational story. It's the truth. If it motivates you and inspires you, great. But I lay there in hospital, not able to move. And when I was able to move, I started by lifting my legs, straight legs, uh, without bending my knee, lifting my heel that much off the ground. And then it was that much, sorry, off the bed. Then it was that much. Then it was, okay, I'm going to try and lift my leg enough to swing it sideways so that I can you know, go one leg at a time and then use the rails to pull myself up and sit up with my legs hanging over the bed. And I would celebrate that shit. I would, yes, I did that. And then when I was able to sit up straight, yes, I celebrated that. I never looked at where I wasn't. I always looked at where I could go just in that day. Hey, and when you get good at celebrating little wins every day, the big wins are just massive bonuses. Mm. So I don't wait for big wins to celebrate. I'm celebrating little things. I'm celebrating this call with you. I'm celebrating the fact that I was able to go for a 9.6 kilometer walk today. Right? That's far from who I used to be and my identity of being an elite ultra marathon runner. Mm. But I know that that's not what I can't do. What I could do is I could go for a long walk and I celebrated it. I came back and I said to my wife, like a little boy, I said, Jules, I, I walked almost 10K today. She said, great, great job, my love. Well done. Because she knows I like to celebrate the little wins. So it's that. Day by day, what can you do? If you can't do something, don't even think about it. You're just wasting energy, and that energy could be put on what you can do. Yeah. Now, right now in coronavirus, I'm spending a lot of time at home. So the day we went into lockdown, I was like, right, what can I do? What have I been putting off? What have I been telling my wife that I'm going to do when I've got time? <laughs> I mowed the freaking lawn for the first time in months. <laughs> so it's just, yeah, focus is power, man. Uh, I mean, and for you personally, um, you said about going for the long walks. Um, do you think you're a way off running? Is it, is it something that's, you know, not, obviously not something to sort of get yourself down about, but is it something that you can see in the distance? So I've always seen it. When mm. I lay in hospital, I booked my next Ironman triathlon. <laughs> Stupid. I don't like, surprise you whatsoever. <laughs> like I'm overly optimistic. 
and I booked it. I had my accident in May. I broke my legs in multiple places and I booked an Ironman for September. And people were like, you're mental. I was, thank, uh, thanks to the, the amazing Nick James, I was able to re meet one of my role models, David Goggins. Oh, wow. And, uh, and I sat down with David and I told him my goal. Like, and I was like, I was like, Goggins, tell me, like, what do I need to be thinking to be able to get to my goal and do an Ironman in September? And he said, you're crazy, man. David Goggins told me, take a year off. <laughs> Did he not tell you to take, just tape your legs up? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, damn, I knew I had to come to London, med, you know, medicated up on morphine and gabapentin to get to that event and be wheeled in a wheelchair just to be able to sit with him and talk with him. But I was not expecting that advice. So I'm overly optimistic. But um, from when I was in hospital, I've, I've dreamt and visualized me running. Wow. Me on my bike in my trial bars. And unfortunately, as I started to build my strength, and as I came off crutches in October, I started to realize this click in my leg. And what they'd done is some of the screws that they'd stuck in my leg to hold the inner metal work together, the pole running through my femur, the screw comes out the other side and it, it flicks across the tendon on the inside of my mm. thigh. So I was like, damn, man. So I went to the doctor and because I can still walk normally, I can't be an athlete. I can still walk normally. The NHS can't treat it as an emergency. So I had to go on a waiting list. So I've been on a waiting list since November. My surgery was meant to be last Saturday. Not happening. Not happening. Of course. Yeah. yeah. But this is how much I thought about it. Oh, okay. Oh, man. Pfft. Stop, thinking. <laughs> Stop thinking about it. It's yeah. not going to do me any good. Mm -hmm. So my frustration around not being able to run is purely because I can't be a full blown or full out all in athlete because of a damn screw and you know i could be david goggins and push through it but i risk you know i risk injury so oh, yeah it's difficult for me because when i try and run i can i can even just hear that like yeah, hear yeah. the feel just that like, it's just going mm. like that screw on the so i have this idea i can i can walk because you're hardly bending your knees right and I've done long walks. I've done up to a 12 kilometer walk since January. So I thought I was meant to do the London marathon. I've been trying to get into the London marathon for five years while I'm in hospital. I get a, I get a notification. You made it. <laughs> so I've been like pumped up, man. I was like, I'm going to walk that thing. I got my friend, Matt Haycox to sponsor me. I'm getting some clothing made. Of course, a week ago, what do they do? They cancel the London Marathon. <laughs> so I thought, you know what? It's at the end of April. I know I can walk. I'm already doing the distance, the quarter distance of the marathon. I wonder if I can run kind of Forrest Gump with straight legs and do a marathon in marathon time. Not a great, not a best, you know, a PB, a personal best, mm. or a best time or a good time. But I wonder if I can just do that so yes i'm behind but uh i'm still enthusiastic man i'm still uh, optimistic so so watch out dude you might see a, a message from me come end of april that i've just done my first marathon since uh, my accident wow that's uh well that, that is some enthusiasm there mate that's fantastic um 
I, I really hope that you do get to do it at some point. I really do. Um, sorry, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Just three seconds. The thing is, this altruistic nature in me wanting to serve. Mm, like, yeah. I guess I'm doing it for me, right? Uh, obviously, you'd be foolish to think that I'm not doing it for me. But also, the return of that investment in myself, right? Not looking at the cost or the pain or the suffering. Mm. The return of that investment would be, how cool would it be to, for people to know that 11 months after a near-death accident, I was running a marathon and how yeah. liberating and freeing would that be for them? Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I totally agree. And then I've, I know so many people that have had uh, or overcome adversity, overcome atrocities, and so they just, sometimes they just need that spark, that somebody to just come into their life and then go, wow. I yeah. want to be that spark. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful that uh, I can use this kind of platform for example to be able to deliver messages from people like yourself to all the listeners out there yes man yeah and it's um amazing guess yeah and it's you know i continue to do so it's why i love doing the podcast and why i called it the best version of you because everyone i have on have their own story of how they're trying to be the best version of themselves and often to serve others like you said just then Man, it's so funny because obviously we try to do this like from last year, mm. from after the accident or even before the accident. Yeah, it was before the accident, yeah. Jeez, man. So we've been trying to make this happen for a year, but, but obviously it's a long time ago. And mm. I just know you from Tommy Gentleman's events and I've just, you know, been connected with you ever since. But coming up to this podcast, I was like, let me just refresh myself on what, on who AJ Roberts is. And I go and check out the name of your podcast and I'm like, damn, man, I'm pumped for this. <laughs> That's what I'm about, man. I'm about like more health, more happiness, happiness, more fulfillment, how to be the best version of you. Dude, it's been awesome, man. I think we should do this again. Yeah, mate. I love it. And um, well, I, I appreciate that you've, uh, you're on a tight schedule, but just before you go, uh, I always ask my guests, uh, if you had a little time machine and you could stick a, a post-it note into 15-year-old JP, and I use that age because you're at a funny age at 15, you don't know where you're going, you don't know, you're asking me your elbow. Um, what, what kind of bullet points would you have for 15 year old JP to look out for or things to get amongst going into the future? It would just be a message. And I'm, I was into tattoos already at 15 years old. I secretly tattooed myself when I was 12 without anyone knowing. I figured out how to do it with a needle and a rubber band. <laughs> and I would go back to that 15 year old self. And I've never shared this before. It just came to me. And uh, I get asked variations of this question a lot. And I just thought, you know what? I'll give a different answer. And this is the first thing that came to me. I would take him to a tattoo shop and I'd sit down with him and I would reassure him that everything's going to be okay. That he's got to trust the process and life will work out as long as you stay strong mentally and you keep showing up and you keep putting one foot in front of the other, uh, that everything's going to work itself out. And then I would get tattooed on his arm. It's on its way. Oh, wow. I would hope, 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 hope that he lives his life by that mantra, that, that everything is always on its way to you. It might not come in my friend Jay Shetty always says, you'll get what you expect in life. No, you'll get what you want in life, but it just won't be how you expect. So to try and influence him to live from a place of appreciation and gratitude, because he knows it's always on his way, but to let go of all expectation. I am a greater human being I'm more spiritual than I've ever been. I'm more grounded. I'm more in service now than I've ever been because of a near-death accident. How could I ever have 
expected my life to take that turn. So let go mm. of expectation, live in appreciation and to come out of the answer now, but just to everyone here, just, yeah, live your life in service to others, man. Even if it's just in your family to start off with or one person, but I promise you, the more you give to others, the more you're giving to yourself because what you give to others is what you give to yourself. Beautiful, mate. Absolutely beautiful. Where can people find you? I know you're on like pretty much every social media platform. Yeah, so I'm pretty much on all of them, most of them. Uh, but mostly my name, Jean-Pierre de Villiers, on LinkedIn, Instagram, or my Facebook page. Uh, please don't try and add me on my personal Facebook and then message me and go, oh, I try to add you, but it's full. It's been full for years. So just go to my public page. If you want to message me there, I check my messages. I check my messages on Instagram. I check them on LinkedIn. I might check them every three months but I always get back to people. <laughs> That's awesome, mate. Um, JP, it's been an absolute pleasure. And um, I, I love the fact that we could get you on the show in this stage uh, of things that are happening around the world. And just your message of like pretty much reinventing yourself, which is so prominent to what's going on at the minute. People have got this opportunity to like reinvent themselves. So awesome. to be able to share that with everybody in the capacity that like you went through um, to the levels of, like pain that you went through but to come out the way you are now and being able to deliver that message is just phenomenal and i hope all the viewers and listeners really take you up on a lot of things that you said there and implement it in their own lives i really do and yeah. if you haven't already please go and follow this man and look him up and look at all his amazing content I appreciate you, man. Thank you. And thanks for everyone for to everyone for listening. I hope to connect with you in the future. I got to go and get ready for this next big meeting, but dude, I will message you later. Please drop me a message on WhatsApp and let's connect there going forward. Awesome guys. Hey. Thanks. Thanks very much. You heard from JP himself, but from me, please go out there and be the best version of you.